wow we are back finally it's been a long time it's been a good couple i want to say it's been a good couple months i've probably about maybe five or six months since i released episode five but here we are episode six today's episode is the exposing we're talking about what happens when we're exposed and it might not be you know your mind might be racing with a number of different things that that could actually mean but recently what happened in my life where essentially where this all starts for me is is a kind of a two or three year process and I think that it happens to every Christian I think at one point in every believer's life they will be exposed and it has to happen in order to grow us into a greater relationship with God and to be a greater reflection of God to the world around us. We have to be exposed for everything that's hiding and lurking deep beneath the surface, all the things that we rely on, all the things that we hide, all the all the things that we just do not show the world. It's when that person, that, that mask comes off and, and God exposes who you are underneath, what was really motivating you. I think every Christian If you've surrendered your life, it will happen at some point. So I'm going to talk about my story with this and what it looked like and just kind of some steps that I I took walking away from this, some steps, you know, coming away from this, because I think the number one thing that I've, I've just seen this so much in the last couple of years is offense, church offense, hurt, church burnout, being broken down, not being in that place where you once were, what do you do when you lose that passion for serving, passion for for your relationship with Christ? What happens when all that goes away and all that's left is just you and God? What happens? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And that's what I really want to kind of like, you know, kind of mix around and, and just kind of share what happened with me. So today's episode is going to be very transparent. I'm going to really open up about some stuff that that went down in my life, obviously not going to drop names or personal details or anything like that. I know that we've definitely grown in numbers. I've seen every episode get more and more plays uh, from the last episode. And and I want to thank you if you've shared this with friends or family or somebody else who you know who might be able to relate to it, even if you can't. So with that said, I want to definitely protect the identities of people that were involved in this, whether they do listen or are listening or, or maybe it comes back to them. I would hope that anybody in my past or history can listen to this and definitely respect and understand where I'm coming from with that. So with that said, let's get into it. This is probably the fastest I've ever got into my story and episode. I usually plug a lot of stuff, but I don't have anything. It's December. It's Christmas time's coming up. I have a week before I go on vacation. So I I had some free time tonight and I really had been feeling this message on my heart. So I'm really excited to get into it if you can't tell. So where does this timeline for me begin? Um, I think as I go on, I think it's going to make a lot of sense what I necessarily, what I mean when I say the exposing. I think as I talk and, and share my story and what happened to me and what I felt God was doing in my life, I know that it will make sense. So even if the first couple minutes of me describing it didn't make sense, I know that as I go through, you will totally be able to relate and understand. So so hang in there with me on this. So I was a part of a church and I've been a part of many churches and I've experienced all kinds of relationships and things and I grew up in the church And I've been there when my parents have left multiple churches for good reasons, bad reasons, life reasons. 
Um, I've seen everything. I've experienced all of it in almost 25 years. I've seen everything you can imagine. Everything you can possibly imagine short of like somebody killing somebody, I've I've witnessed in the church. Not personally, but I've seen the situation unfold or or known about it. And it's crazy because I think going into a church relationship, going into a church life and serving and being a part of a community, none of the darkest things in life are are what you expect to see there. I think we all go there hoping that we're going to see expressions of God's love through everybody constantly at every moment. And we're going to make a difference in our community and we're going to grow in our relationship with God and we're going to grow the house. Right. I think that's what like somewhat where everybody kind of goes to church is to give something and to get something. But we definitely don't think of like crime. We definitely don't think of dark things. We don't think of hurt. We don't think of abuse. We don't think of the things that actually do end up happening in the church. And so what happened for me throughout my life is I had a major wake up call. And so I ended up still coming back to church in my in my 20s, even after all the crazy stuff I had seen growing up as a child, as a teenager, as a young man, and then even other churches as as I went off to live on my own and and out in the world, you know. So, you know, I'm in my mid 20s. I'm a part of a church. I'm getting really serious. And I, I was a part of a church plant. And I was very involved in every aspect. And I think what happened to me in this experience had nothing to do with anybody else. This is entirely my personal experience in God growing me in my story and my journey in life. And a number of different interactions and relationships were built and, and lost. And in the process of me leaving this church that I was serving at, at this point in my life, I had left with offense. I had left with hurt and I had left with pain because I had built all of my identity around the approval and validation of the leadership of this church. So what happened is that here I am thinking to myself like, oh, I'm a Christian and I'm a firm believer and I'm a really like, this is my life and I have gifting and, and the prophetic has always shown through me in my life very powerfully. That is one thing I can truly acknowledge is that there has been extremely powerful moments that God has used me prophetically where I would know things that there was no way I could know and God would just lead me to share it with somebody and it would just minister to them or or just seeing things that would happen and prophesying it and it would happen to the exact detail, to the T, to the minute, to the day. And I had no way of knowing these things myself and it was just a spirit flowing through me. And I knew that I wanted to continue growing in this gift and using this gift. What I didn't know is that I was manipulating that gift to get approval from leadership of church because I grew up as a kid who never heard compliments. I And when I finally did start getting compliments for things, it was from stuff that I could do, from performances, from school, from music, from singing, from guitar, from all these different things that I could, I could get really good at and practice. And then to hear like my parents or a teacher or, or an adult compliment me on something, I would just, I would need to be the best at it. And I carried that performance mentality over into church. And so what happened is while I'm at this church, I wasn't getting validated. And the leadership structure there wasn't to where like I was constantly getting a pat on my back. And that was new for me because I wasn't used to that. And so what happened is this relationship was never built. And 
I kept, I would alter my personality. I would alter all these different things and I would fail because I kept setting myself up for failure because I wasn't using church and my relationship with leadership and my gifting and my relationship with God to reach people. I was doing it because I needed validation. I needed a sense of identity. I needed a sense of belonging. And the relationship started to fracture and they started to break down. And I was getting burned out because I had been serving for like five or six years at this point straight. And I had never taken a break. I was just, I would load on more ministries to prove myself further because I finally, I had never had a sense of identity like serving. I'd never had the the feeling of belonging, the feeling of value. And remember, God had used me to do some pretty crazy stuff. So I felt powerful. I felt like I had a sense of identity and power in this Christianity thing, in this church world. And it destroyed me. And it and it totally fractured my personal relationships at this church to where I knew that it was time for me to go, that I needed to spend time alone. I needed to spend time with God. And so I left and I stopped going in my family and I stopped going and I was hurt. I held on to resentment. I held on to unforgiveness. I replayed conversations in my head. I, I focused a lot on where other people were wrong, not looking once at myself. And so this carries on for like a couple months and, and I'm not spending time with God anymore. I'm not praying. I'm not, I'm not in my word. I'm not building into my relationship with God because what happened was I was exposed. See, it was easy for me to pursue God when I had a reward at the end, when I had a title at the end, when I wanted to lead a ministry, when I led a small group. When I did all these things for the church, it was easy for me to go to God because my relationship with God pertained and correlated to the attention, validation, and support I received for doing those things from church. It wasn't that I pursued God purely because I had a relationship and loving fatherly son relationship with God and friendship and communion. It wasn't because of that. I was going to church and serving and doing all these things because I had a fear of man. I had a fear of not being validated. I had a fear of not being good enough. I would go to church for so many months and so many years and be in that building listening to those sermons, never once getting poured into. So for years, I'm in a church thinking I was fine spiritually in my spiritual health because I was ministering to people and it was powerful and there was tears and there was breakthrough in their life. But there was no breakthrough in my life, though. And I was operating out of the same place I'd been operating out of for five years, thinking that I was doing good because of my outward performance. When in reality, my real relationship with God was very malnourished and it was dying. But outwardly, I'm like, oh, I'm a part of a church plant. Oh, I can prophesy things and accurate and powerful things that that change, you know, oh, direction and, and business and logistics and all these things. And I built my identity around who I thought I needed to be for church leadership, for church, for ministry, for God. I was just a good soldier. And I listened. I did what I was told, and there was areas that I needed to work on, just like everybody else, but it wasn't the real areas that I needed to work on. It was just these like surface-level things that I would tell myself, like, oh, I should show up on time better, or I should really commit to this more, I should do that. But those weren't really actually the problems. 
The problem is that I needed to be exposed because truthfully, I wasn't even a Christian. And this is a common problem. I hear a lot of people say they're Christians, but truthfully, they're not they're, they wouldn't be a Christian if there was no reward. See, so many relationships in Christianity are transactional. So many relationships, if you ask somebody about why they're a Christian, what makes you a Christian, they're going to they're gonna immediately go to what they do for the church. The number one thing I always see when I would meet somebody out in the world that is a pastor or works at a church or serves, they always will tell you what they do for the church first. No one that has a true relationship with God will use what they do for a church as an identifier to introduce themselves to people. Because when someone says, oh, hey, I'm a pastor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. I'm actually a pastor of the church. Or I'm a worship leader at this place. Or my my friend's a pastor. Or my dad's a pastor. Or, oh, yeah, I'm a worship leader at a church. I've been a worship leader for like 20 years old. It's all what they do. It's never just like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm just me. And it's like, oh, well, what do you believe? You know, religion. Well, I've, you know, I have a relationship with God for the last 20, 30 years. No one says that. It's all about what they do. We define ourselves and we define and construct our identity based off what we do for God. And the truth of it is, is we don't have anything. We don't, we don't, we don't have anything to hold up to light that, that would earn us an identity in Christ. There's nothing that we can do on earth that will earn us, you know, a place in, in, in the kingdom of heaven. It is purely because of Jesus' sacrifice. It is purely because of the cross that we have a way. It is purely because God sending Jesus to die on a cross for us that we have anything that we have. I have a verse here. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And this verse in the middle really pertains to what I, I'm talking about in the sense that we, we can't earn it. as, and, and we say that we can't earn it. We really say that a lot. We hear that, but it's surface not knowledge. It's surface level knowledge. And and that's a very common thing with people. There's things we say and then there's things we do. And I, I've always heard people say that, oh, you can't earn it. You know, it's just a free gift. And all I ever see them do is earn it, try to earn it. You know, and, and I was guilty of this too. So chapter chapter four, it says... Therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all surpassing power, that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. 
For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And I'm going to stop there. Um, you know, I, there's th- the rest of that chapter right there in chapter 4 is 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 really, really good to this point too. But um, I'll, 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 I'll touch on it later, actually. I'm just going to leave this out. It might be useful. This Bible might be useful to teach from a little bit later. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I've seen so many times where something like what happened to me has happened to somebody and they completely move away from the church. They completely go away. And that was easy for me to do too. So, you know, if you pick back up where I left off before reading, I left. And I left so easily because my relationship with God was not strong enough to survive offense. My relationship with the church was not strong enough for me to survive being hurt, for me not getting my way. And that's really why we're exposed as Christians. We're exposed as Christians and God brings the, he allows this adversity, right? To come to us and he brings these things to our doorstep because they might be hurtful situations but it's because they expose what's really going on within us. Who were we really in him? Were we really just the worship leader for 20 years? And that's all our identity was. And we never had an actual relationship with God. Were we just the deacon, but we never once heard a sermon? You know how many deacons there are around the country that are in church every single Sunday before the pandemic and maybe even yeah, now that everything's open. But, but, but imagine the last 20 or 30 years, a deacon being in there, Every Sunday, hearing every sermon that that pastor preached for 30 years, and he never was ministered to one time. That person sounds lost to me. That person sounds like an unbeliever to me. They haven't been to church in 30 years. They were in a building for 30 years, but they never had church. And see, we don't do that. We don't know how to still be ministered to. We don't know how to step back because it's like spiritual ADD. We can't sit down and be ministered to. We got to constantly be up being, doing something. And because it adds into our identity, because we have insecurity issues that if not fed and if not fed through anything, through a relationship, through a person, through church, through validation, through success, whatever it is, then it's like that dark place in our heart that we go to if we don't get those things. And we're depressed and we're sad if we don't have the validation or we don't have the pat on our head from our pastor or the approval. I'm I'm here to tell you this. I've served under so many great leaders, so many amazing men of God who just have discipline and structure. and, And they were so imperfect because everybody is imperfect. There's something everywhere. There's only immature and mature Christians and Christians who are on their way to maturity. And I've said that before on this podcast because we put too much in a man we use a pastor as the face of God and then we worship that pastor. We fear their disapproval. We change our voice around them. We change our voice at church. Like I cuss so much. Like it has been one of always my whole life as I grew up hearing, seeing school. I remember cussing in third grade me at church. Oh my God. My, I sounded like an altar boy. Just like, hi. Yes. How are you? Hope you're doing great. But the second I'm in the parking lot, I'm dropping the F-bomb and this and that and everything. And it's like so fake. It's just so fake. We're not real at church. We're in competition at church. We're in struggle at church. It's a rat race. 
And that's why the state of the world is the way it is, because the state of the world is always a reflection of the church. Because there is a real Christianity, there is a real you, and then they can meet together actually, and actually you can showcase God's love and character and kindness by still being you without compromising certain aspects of yourself, but being who he created you to be, who he always knew he created you to be, and not trying to be one way or the other, not trying to be either end of the spectrum, either too holy roller or just way no boundaries no limits no filter no anything like there is a middle ground where you can still be true to yourself to who god created you to be and still reach people and not have to put on the church voice not have to put on the barbecue voice not have to put on that voice that you put when you go to the men's groups and the men's meetings but being who you are monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday in front of the pastor, in front of the leadership team, in front of the whole church at a prayer meeting, you should be able to be yourself wherever you're at. Because if you're not, you are trapped and you will be exposed. It will happen. You cannot live lies long. You can't live lies long. The truth always comes out. It's one thing I've learned that God will reveal things. It always comes out. And so for me, it came out. And I realized that I was walking around telling people I'm a Christian, saying I'm a Christian because I went to church and I told, and I would always use like, oh, I'm a part of a church plant. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I did that. I do worship or I lead a small group or, or I do something or I do this and that, but it was never my relationship with God because I used all of those things to support my faith. So what happens is if you build your house on sand, it's going to fall the second a storm starts. But if you have a solid foundation, when that storm starts, you're actually going to be able to weather the storm. And that's what a real relationship with God looks like, where you don't need validation. You don't need the approval of authority and the validation from leadership and pastors and having a title and, and like, oh, I don't sit down during church because I have so many 30 things to do. You are, I wouldn't brag about that. I wouldn't tell people about that, but that's who I was though. I needed five tasks to be doing during service because I had spiritual ADD where I couldn't sit down. I couldn't pay attention. I would be like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Amen. Come on. But I wasn't actually receiving it. I wasn't actually being ministered to. I wasn't actually resting. I wasn't actually just being going into church and just being there. I needed identity badly. I struggled without it. And so what happened is it, it eventually the lie came out and I had to go and I had to retreat and I had to work on myself. And I had like a year, two, three process where, no, it was like really more like two year process where I was just alone out of community was not spending time with God anymore because I didn't have a role. There was no purpose for me. And I just was depressed and sad and didn't talk to anybody. didn't go anywhere. And this was long before I was living like the pandemic, like a year, two years before the pandemic, you know, like I was always in the house, never left, just watching shows, depressed. And then all these just dark things from my past started surfacing up again. And like just things I used to struggle with and, and just battle with started coming back like fear. I started having like existential fear again. I started like struggling with lust and like I hadn't had a battle with that 
you know, like all these things from my youth, from my past, like all these things started coming back up bad. I had trouble getting over a relationship when I was younger, like that I really built a soul tie with. Check out those episodes. I talk about soul ties. Um, just a quick plug. That started surfacing again. And, and I was married now. So like this was affecting me. So all these things are like coming up from my past affecting me that had been dormant under there that weren't getting addressed because I was so focused on ministry, but I wasn't focused on my relationship with God. And I see that happening all over the place. Like we put so we put people on pedestals in church and we worship people and we worship titles and we worship roles. And like, you know, one that I've seen recently is this uh, like mega church pastor that was recently caught, um, you know, cheating on his wife and everything. And he talked about, he was pouring out from an empty place. And like, here's the thing, like, Everyone is so quick to jump on this guy, but who was quick to ask him how he was a year ago? Who was there for him when everything was being done right? Because you can do everything right for 20 years, dedicated every Sunday. And then the one day that you make a mistake, you're done. It's over. And nobody checks on anybody. No one checks. No one asks the hard questions. No one checks to see how someone's really doing. But the second someone makes a mistake or is failing it's like our it's our lifeboat because we know that we're not sinking right we're not going to focus on our stuff and you know jesus talks about that with the log and the speck of dust in the eye but we don't have a problem doing that there's so many christian bloggers and podcasters and and people speaking on this pastor subject and they're secretly struggling with porn they're cheating on their wife they're abusing people. They're hurting people and turning people away from church. But the second this guy's name gets brought up, they all pounce on him. And it's like, it's this crazy ecosystem in the church where we can't show weakness. We can't show vulnerability. We can't show transparency. We can't make mistakes. So we're all building these glass houses with the storm on the horizon every day. And it's just a matter of time until one of our things gets exposed. Because we're not building our relationship with God. We're building our relationship on what we can do for God. And it's it's why in this verse in 2 Corinthians, it's like, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That's why we can't earn it. Because if you can earn it, it wouldn't showcase God's glory. And we still can't wrap our minds around that concept. And the best thing that ever happened to me was the offense from church, was the pain. And so many people don't go back. So many people get burned out and then offended and then leave. And then I'm going to tell you this, six months of not going to church will easily turn into three years, will easily turn into 10 years, will easily turn into a lifetime of just not going anymore. It, it, it is scary how fast it will happen. Like I have a daughter and I feel like just yesterday she couldn't even open her eyes. We had brought her home from the hospital. I'm telling you, this little girl is doing backflips off the couch. She is like pointing things to me. She's She's been walking now for a couple months. She's so intelligent. She's doing so many things where I'm like, dude, I feel like just yesterday, like she couldn't even roll. Like she couldn't even crawl. And she's like a year and a half now. And it is like the fastest year and a half. Like things happen fast. Stuff, life happens fast. And especially with not being a part of church, not being in community, it's so easy to fall into that trap. 
And that's what happens is a lot of us don't realize that when we face adversity in our personal relationships, when we had, when we face adversity in our life, it's exposing what's really holding up our heart. That's all it's there for. So many people aren't going to a church anymore because it's like, oh, I don't like this or that, or that person offended me or this or that happened, or I don't really like that, or I don't care for this, or they didn't do this, this and that. But all it's showing, all you're telling people is that you didn't have a relationship with God. That's all it comes down to at the end of the day. Because if you had a relationship with God, it wouldn't matter what someone's doing because what's inside of you is so strong that it would overpower anything in there because people would know that they can't do that with you. People know that they can't gossip with you because the spirit of God is so strong inside of you that you speak life about people when they're brought up in a conversation. That the spirit of God is so powerful in you that even if that pastor is offending people and hurting people and they're leaving, your presence there is something that brings about accountability. So the things that are said when you're not around aren't there anymore. They're not being said when you're there. Imagine if everybody was like that now. But we don't have those models. We don't have those structures established already because what do we do? The, the, the moment somebody makes us upset, the moment somebody comes at us incorrectly, we're, we're already driving to church on a Sunday morning, planning out our argument with somebody the second they pop off on us. Like I, I can't tell you how many times at church somebody for the tiniest thing would come over and have a full-blown confrontation with me about it. And I'm just looking at them like, bro, you need to forgive who hurt you. You need to forgive the person that offended you because it's not me. It's not me forgetting to put this one thing here at exactly 945 because service starts at 10 and we can't mess up. Like those are just such surface things that are not going to matter. We're not going to be standing before that judgment seat in front of Christ someday. And and he's going to be like, hey, also, um, I wanted to talk to you. What's up with November 12th, you know, 2018? What was that? And you're like, what are you talking about, Lord? Yeah, 945, you you didn't have the coffee out. What was up with that? I had 40 people that were going to be in that lobby that day. No, he's not going to say that. Who, who Who would be fixated on that? You know, we don't pick our battles wisely with those things because we don't know what is a battle and what isn't. Because the entirety of our identity is wrapped up in all these things that prevent us from having to look inward. It's like when you can't get over an ex or a relationship and you just focus so much on that and you're looking on their Twitter or their Instagram or their stories or JHJJJGHKL0895 is now watching their stories, you know, because you just created some Instagram account because you can't let it go or something. I'm not speaking from personal experience. I'm just saying I hear things, you know, I don't have social media, but you know, you're, you're focusing on that ex and that partner. So you don't have to look within yourself. You know, you're focusing there because it's like, it's um, unrequited love, you know, and we do that, that unrequited validation, really. And by focusing on how everybody else is wrong, it prevents you from having to examine yourself. It's, it's preventing you from having to, to be introspective. And we do that. And God allows these things to happen so that when we experience adversity in church or in life or really anywhere, it's, it's like a test to see, well, where's your peace from? You know, you're getting that bad phone call from your family or family member's health or, or, or money problem or situation. Well, is it going to bring you anxiety? Is it going to bring you stress? And I can tell you that I've been on both ends of that. And it oscillates at times, but I've been on both ends where I get that crazy phone call. I mean, even this week alone, just some of the information 
I mean, just the things that can happen to you in life, the things that you will experience, that family will experience, friends, just life and loss and and just, you can, I've experienced some crazy things in life, crazy phone calls, just you would never imagine you would get. It happens to other people, it never happened to me. You know, who are you? Where does your heart go to when you when you have those moments? Do you go to anxiety? Because I did. I went to anxiety and stress and fear and and my heart dropping when someone's name pops up on my phone because I'm scared. And I've also been on the other end where I have peace that I cannot even explain in the midst of a crazy scenario of something that would have drove me to fear and depression and isolation and God knows what else five years prior or three years or a month prior maybe. And I noticed that it wasn't until I had established God as my peace and being in relationship and pursuing him relationally that I had peace in the face of adversity. Not because I knew that me being a good Christian is going to take all the hurt away, but me being in relationship with God is going to give me peace to overcome what's in front of me. That's what we do it for. It's not all about healing because I'm going to tell you this, there's not always going to be a healing there. I know a lot of Christians hate that. They hate hearing that. There's not always going to be a check there. There's not always going to be a healing. There's not, here's the crazy thing. There's not always going to be a breakthrough. You can pray the best prayer for the best possible outcome to our human understanding and it will go unanswered because it's not about those things. We see that in Job. It never had anything to do with sin. The book of Job is not about sin. It's about God. The book of Job is about who God is in the face of any kind of adversity. Not on what we, Job was upright. There was a hedge of protection around. You know how many years I've been praying for a hedge of protection? Job had one. It was so strong, the devil didn't even mess with Job. Right? And that book is so, you know, it's so rich in symbology and 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 just everything. You know, just the literature of, of Job is so beautiful to me, especially in the final chapters. The final three. It didn't matter how much he had served and prayed and repented and all those things. It did not matter because it was not about that. We don't understand that it's not about that. We have to break that performance mentality because if that was the case, Jesus would have never had to hang on a cross. It's about sacrifice, but it's about knowledge and understanding of God's character and God's goodness in the midst of anything because I love that verse, God can bring together all things for his good. But it's, can you face adversity even if you don't see any good in sight? Do you trust God then? Do you trust God in the midst of that? Do you trust God when you've been praying for a breakthrough for something for 15, 20, 25, 30 years and you haven't seen any change? Because maybe that's not what you're supposed to be praying for. Maybe we walk through things with God at our side. And I know it's like, oh, well, that's easy because you don't know what I'm going through. Trust me, you don't know what I'm going through. You know, and, to, and, and the thing is, is that like I've had to walk through stuff that you would only see in TV, only see in movies. And, and nobody would understand because it doesn't happen to people. And they would never understand. And no one will ever really truly understand your story and what you're going through. But God does. And I'm here to tell you that I have walked through dark things crazy, crazy things that I don't wish on an enemy at all in any way. And God will can give you peace in that place. God can give you structure there. He can give you strength there, even with no breakthrough. 
with no answered prayer because it's not about that. It's not, oh, I need to pray harder. I need to go deeper. I need to tithe more. I'm not tithing enough. I need to do all these things. Those are all great things. They're expected of us. But God doesn't owe it to us. And we have to hold on to that and remember that it's what we can we can walk through with God, not what we can give for him, not what we can do. We can't do anything. We can't do anything for God. We can't hold a, a light or a candle or whatever the saying is up to what his sacrifice was for us who didn't deserve it. You know, and this is a big thing that happens in the exposing. And I can tell you truthfully, if you've been offended and hurt at church and you've left, it was an exposing of what was really inside of there. You know, I know it's a hard thing. I know, I know that it's difficult. We can't justify bad behavior. And a lot, like I said, a lot of the stuff I saw in church, I mean, I've seen people go to prison. I'm not joking. I've seen people go to prison because of stuff that they did at church. Like that's insane. That's crazy. This was God's house. I mean, it's not easy stuff. I've had to forgive people for, for crimes. I've had to forgive people for crimes, crimes. I've had to make phone calls and emails and text message forgive, forgiving someone for. We're not just talking like, oh man, why does he always have to have an attitude every time I talk to him? Why do I? We're not talking at that, that level anymore. I'm talking about crimes I've had to forgive people for, that I've seen people forgive other people for. And all I ever hear is just excuses on why we don't go to church, not excuses why we fix church. People always ask me, why do you still do all that after everything you've seen, everything you heard, why do you still pour into like pushing people to go to church? And I'm like, because church, those are the people that need God. The church, church is, is the most haunted house in America. Okay. That's the place where there's the most evil spirits is in a church. That's the place where there's the most attacks. That's the place where there's the most destruction of relationships because we've seen the enemy's tactic is to kill God's word in infancy, right? And I'm not talking about like political stuff. I'm talking about like they tried to kill the kids when Jesus was born, when Moses was born. The enemy tries to ruin our lives like a young man. I know every guy I know was exposed to porn before the age of 10. Every single guy all along the board has told me the same thing. He tries to get us young. He tries to get it early. So if the word of God is originating and starting in the people of God in the church, he's going to kill it in its infancy. The enemy is going to try to kill it in its infancy in the church so that it can't spread outside of those walls. That's why we need, we, we're sending missions to other countries. We need to be sending missions to churches. We need to be sending help to churches. Churches are the ones that need people, that need help, that need ministry. Leadership. Go take any leadership team right now and there's gossip, there's hurt, there's pain, there's offense, there's people not being themselves, and they're struggling and they're tired. And you know the only thing that's going to happen on the other side of that is they're going to never come back to church again. They're going to leave. And I knew that it was best for me to take a year or two away to just find my relationship with God, to find myself with God, so that for the rest of my life, if something like this happens again, I know that it won't destroy my relationship with God because my relationship with God is the thing that destroys those situations, not the other way around. And it was hard, and it was very difficult for me, and it was something that 
a lot of people didn't understand. A lot of people close to me didn't understand. A lot of people were like, oh, well, you know, I'm sorry. And, you know, maybe just find another church, maybe find another place and things like that. And it's not about that. It's not about the people because I'm going to tell you this right now. If you are going church, you're church hopping because you got offended at your last three or four churches. I hate to say it to you, but you will never find a church because the problem isn't the church. The problem is you. You have to sit down and reflect and look at yourself as a common denominator. If you've been at five churches in the last three years, the churches aren't the one, the ones that are church hopping. It's you. You got to sit down and look at what is it about me that gets offended at this? Why do I hate when there's videos? Why do I hate because the worship's too loud? Oh, the pastor didn't shake my hand. No one texted me or they texted me too much. You know, we find so many things to complain about because it's not about those things. It's us inside. What we really should say is, man, I'm scared of intimacy with God because I don't trust that someone could love me. Whoa, what about that? Or what about, I don't like reflecting and looking inward because I feel like if I expose who I really am, I'm going to see that I'm not good enough to be loved by people. Wow. Those are the real problems. Or, or with me, th- here was mine. Let me tell you mine. Mine was, I didn't know how to feel love unless I was accomplishing something. So I need to go to another church where they're going to let me accomplish stuff so I can feel loved. If we're getting real, if we're being honest, that's what it was for me. And that's why I left. And I had to find myself. And I had to find God. And I had to actually finally become a Christian. Not saying it, but actually living it believing it, doing it, being it. And so I'm going to close with that today. I, I know that in wrapping this up, it's it's very, it's very hard because I know that the context and situation of, of everything is so different. But if you can, if you can truly, you know, put your attention to yourself and your relationship with God and stop focusing on other people, it's, it's going to change your perspective on life. It's going to change your world. So I'm going to close out in prayer. And I just want to just close out with this one final closing thought. And that's, it's okay. You know, it's not going to be perfect here. As much as we chase it. And, you know, I've chased perfection in my life so much. I'm an Enneagram 3. I'm like an overachiever kind of person, you know. You, you're not going to get perfection. I have achieved so many things in life that I had wanted, that I dreamed, that I prayed for. And a lot of them, it's just, okay, cool. What's the next one? What's the next thing now? The next thing to conquer, you know, and you never, it never fills you, you know, but with God, it's so different. When you have a relationship with Christ, you don't need the world's approval. You don't need people's approval or a person's approval. And I just want to encourage you that you can do it. Life doesn't have to be crazy. Crazy things were still happen, you know, but you it doesn't have to be crazy. You can have peace. You can have joy. You can have stability. And it's amazing. So let's close out in prayer. Father, I just I want to thank you, Lord, for the things that I couldn't control, the things that happened in my life that they hurt. But it was the surgery incision hurting. It was opening me up. And I thank you, Lord, that you leave us open for years sometimes on that surgery table. But I thank you that our identity is wrapped up in you on the other side of it, not wrapped up in what we can do for you. 
because it just doesn't work that way. And I just thank you, Lord, for humility. I thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you that you're just, and I thank you that you're merciful towards us, that you're constantly patient and waiting, and it's your kindness that leads to repentance. Verbatim, your words, that it is your kindness that leads to our repentance, Lord. And I just thank you for that, Father. I thank you for your loving kindness, for always walking us back in, whether it's to repentance, whether it's through conviction, whether it's through edification, encouragement. Lord, you know exactly what the diagnosis and prognosis should be at all times for us at every moment. And I thank you that we can trust you, that you are constant, that you pursue us, that you are always present with us, and you're always guiding us into the greatest understanding of who you are through everything we go through in life. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, that's all the time for today. So to say happy holidays. Um, heart, soul, mind collective at gmail.com. If you have any questions, I don't have any social media, personal or otherwise. I have a YouTube channel you can check out, but there's nothing up there. So that is, would be no point, you know. So, uh, but I will get some stuff up there and show my face at some point other than just the cover of this podcast. And yeah, thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. If you could just share with your friends and um, just, you know, help spread the word. Like I said, I don't have social media, so I have no way of promoting this stuff on there on those platforms. But I thank you guys for listening and, and God be with you. And I hope that this episode is helpful in some way. <laughs>